Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Affirmative Murder Podcast, the Equal Opportunity Murder Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? 92 was a good year. Birthed the king, a young king. Went on to do great things with his life. I have a Sam's Club card and I'm the member of just about every uh, streaming platform. So life is good. Fran, how are you doing? My young black king. I'm on my righteous shit today. How are you feeling, sir? Um, doing good, man. It's it's the weekend, so you know. It is. Um, well, I it's to... Monday. It's Monday, but oh, yeah, yes, it, we are living yeah, in the weekend yeah. currently. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, um, I'm just happy to be alive, man. I'm happy all my friends and family are healthy. Yeah. So uh, that's just grateful, man. Yeah, man. It is. It has been a rough summer, you know. Um, yeah. Baltimore. Again, I'm not going to go back into the president's uh, comments because I think it's aside from. Uh, just violence in general. I don't think that is dictated by rats or whatever kind of shit, but summer has been, this summer has been pretty rough for a lot of people in my outer circle. Like a lot of people that I know people know have uh, been lost this, uh, this summer. So I know it's been a rough one for some people um, from the city of Baltimore. Um, Shouts out to those family members of those people. Condolences. Um, Keep your head up and let's, let's just try to, keep it as low as we can let's let's just get through the summer people let's yeah. let's let's just you know falls on the way put some hoodies on stay in the house go to some you know nice indoor events and just have a good time and uh, you know the summertime just really boils people's brains man you yeah. see you see like the worst side of society in the summertime just that thing that happened in el paso yeah that thing that happened in dayton mm-hmm. you know i mean obviously we i didn't even know about that one until like the one in Dayton later. or the one yeah, in El Paso because the one in El Paso was so it was so big was and, so big and also I nobody got like, hurt in that I, time I think not too many and, people well some people got hurt for they, sure oh, okay, but I don't well, think sorry, it was yeah, I don't okay. think I don't think of the, the numbers I'm not even gonna say okay Be, people right. got hurt in both but I know in El Paso it was like I think yeah. 17 or it was something crazy hmm. um, but I feel like you might it might have even have been a story that was closer to you because of the whole Hispanic element. That might have been something yeah. that somebody in your circle might have uh, you're more likely to hear about than the one in Dayton. Mm. So that makes sense to me. That's just my guess. I don't know if that's what it was. Like I no, can see I just Stephanie going, I just "Oh my didn't. god, the El Paso." No, I just didn't. Um, when I was on Twitter, it was just it was El Paso. It didn't, yeah, Dayton didn't pop up for me on my timeline. So yeah. a couple of days later, that's why I was well, like, oh, so shit the, the thing hell? that a, the thing that a lot of people are saying, and I I, I fully disagree with. 
um, I heard Joe Rogan mention it on his podcast, and he was saying that the Dayton shooter was a left-wing guy and was a fan of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders and all these kind of things. And because that doesn't fit the narrative of the alt-right and mm-hmm. na- racist shootings like the El Paso shooter fit that fit that uh, narrative better. Mm-hmm. So they focused more on that. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that because him being left-wing, that's not what people are saying. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. People are saying that the alt-right and a lot of these... Republican pundits are saying things that are stoking violence. Mm-hmm. They're not just saying, oh, you're fiscally conservative and you think that, uh, you know, illegal immigration should be a little more complicated. So you shot somebody. That's not what we're saying. Like Elizabeth Warren's political beliefs and Bernie Sanders political b- beliefs aren't stoking, inciting violence in people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a false comparison to say, oh, well, this per this guy from Dayton was a, a left-wing guy and this guy was a right-wing guy. So it's politics on all sides. And I think that's that's another way to muddy the waters and it's whataboutism and I'm not a fan of it. Two horrible things happen. I don't give a shit about the politics. But what definitely happened, undoubtedly, is that in El Paso, Texas, that guy went into that Walmart to shoot Hispanic people. He yeah. said it himself. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was a ra- that was a racist attack. Mm-hmm. You know, whether he's mentally ill or whatever, that's what the that's what they're trying to that's what they're going to do to try to get us to move on from this one mm-hmm. again is oh, this isn't a gun problem, it's a mental health problem. Both of those guys were definitely mentally ill. To go into a place and shoot b- 100 bullets and, and hit people and all these things, something has to be wrong with you. Yeah. But if this person is disillusioned and doesn't remember or whatever, I don't I haven't gotten the full story on the Dayton guy. I know that the El Paso guy had a manifesto. Yeah, he had aff- it's in his affidavit. Yeah, his saying affidavit. like, I'm here to shoot Hispanic people. Yeah. So, his, you know, uh, mental illness. He drove like 40 minutes or something. He drove like two yeah. hours. Or mental something. illness or not, his mental illness was directed by, yeah. s- by a narrative. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders didn't direct that guy in Dayton to go shoot anybody. You know what's weird is after that happened, it was a, you know, one of them little, um, them art, them little sketches where it's like comic, but it has like a political media. Yeah, to yeah, it. yeah. Uh-huh. It was one. It was a guy sitting in front of a TV. You might have saw it was on Twitter, and it was um, it had Trump's. He was doing like a speech, uh-huh. and you know the little bubbles with that little bubble called with the words in it. Yeah, like a comic, a yeah. comic. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it said, so it said, you know, these are terrible people. And when you hear, it, it's like you make you want to say it in his voice. Yeah. And then the guy was sitting in front of a TV, and he was like. I'll get him for you, President. And he was like holding AK forty seven. Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah, the guy specifically mentioned infestation. It's a it's a Hispanic invasion, and Donald Trump has meant, said the word invasion in so many speeches over the last couple of years. A Hispanic invasion. These people are invading our country. It's dangerous. That's nuts. It's man. I. It almost it's it's insane to me at this point. If you if you if you believe in this guy's policies or whatever, that's your business. But to go out and apologize and say. To gaslight a bunch of people and say, you guys are hearing it wrong. You didn't. He didn't say that. He said this. He didn't say. It's like I heard what he said. Mm. And it, it, it almost it just makes you feel crazy. And I think that's the goal is to just make people feel crazy. And then they just get so fed up that they just move on and, and just give up trying right. to fight. And because the response is, no, you heard it wrong or that's not what he said or whatever. Anyways, um, to stay on the topic of. It seems like with this podcast, everything always comes back to what happened to, uh, what's that documentary? 
what happened to Johnny Gosh. Mm-hmm. It always comes back to what happened to Johnny Gosh. And this Jeffrey Epstein story that came out this weekend. So Jeffrey Epstein is was a big-time finance guy in the 90s and up to now. So he started at this... Um, this uh, this business called Bear Stearns, their financial group, made a bunch of money, got a bunch of cool relationships with billionaires and stuff, and he was a financial advisor. He went on and started his own company. He got caught up on some sex trafficking charges like last decade, maybe in the early 2000s, used his connections to skate on him, kind of, served like 13 months in prison, got out, and has been living his life ever since. Mm-hmm. He got caught up on the charges again this year. And now they really went after him hard. Video's been surfacing of him hanging out with Donald Trump. There's a bunch of evidence of him and Bill Clinton used to be fly, kicking it, hopping on private jets, going to private islands, doing all kind of weird shit. And a bunch of women have come out and say and have said, Jeffrey Epstein groomed me to bring the parties and sleep with these billionaire types and these political figures and all this type of stuff. And it sounded so much like... The guy who I can't remember who came out in this Johnny Gosh story and said, yeah, me and Johnny, me and Johnny Gosh, I, I took Johnny. I helped uh, groom Johnny Gosh. I was 17 when they kidnapped him. And that's what the, I, I made sure the boys were comfortable and got them on drugs and they'd fly us here and fly us there. And we'd sleep with these, you know, rich, powerful men. Mm-hmm. And so to hear that Jeffrey Epstein, it kind of sounds like he's the guy who the. The dude with the black gloves and the sunglasses in the in the windowless van when they kidnap the kids, they bring them to a guy like Jeffrey Epstein, mm. who's got a lot of money, a lot of influence, a lot of power. And it almost sounds like to me, this is my brain and how I kind of see the that world working. I have no it's all speculation, of course, but it sounds like these high society types use, quote unquote, the pimping uh, layout like that that infrastructure and that uh that playbook to as a stepping stone for something else. Mm. So, oh, yeah, oh, Jeffrey? Yeah, call Jeffrey. Man. The guys guys like Donald Trump, guys like Bill Clinton, other congressmen. Oh, call Jeffrey, man. He always brings a bunch of girls, hot girls, whatever. We're talking about 16, 17-year-old girls. And Jeffrey, his benefit of that is they call Jeffrey and he goes, "Oh, cool." <clears throat> and then he gets to rub elbows with these rich guys and say, Hey, man, I was wondering if I could get that financial contract. Mm-hmm. Can you hook me up with this company? Whatever. And he's the guy. It's like because he's able to bring these girls there, he benefits in a different way. So mm-hmm. the girls thing is cool. And he probably was making some kind of money or off of that in some kind of way. But I feel like the real stepping stone is being able to get into these rooms with Donald Trump and mm-hmm. Bill Clinton and whatever kind of deals you can broker from that situation all come from him being the guy who's known as, oh, that's the dude that brings the girls with him. And I think that's so gross mm-hmm. because who knows under what circumstances he's getting these girls. I mean, not who knows. The stuff is starting to come out. There's been un, there's the, all the documents and the courtroom uh, um, dialogue and everything has been um, <clears throat> released. And you can read it and read testimony from girls that have been a part of that whole thing mm-hmm. and hear their stories and how they got involved. And it's all just sick, man. It's really, really gross. And I, again, I have to keep going back to, I know I said what I said about not trying to talk about Donald Trump, but it blows my mind that <clears throat> this guy can be wrapped up in all these stories and he still has his job. I just sit back and I I remember one time Barack Obama, when he was in the office, he 
uh, had a, a music event at, at the White House, mm. and he invited Common to the White House. Mm. And for a week, Bill O'Reilly and Fox News, Common talk. he raps about killing, and he's a gangster rap. Common, bro. <laughs> Anybody that's listening to this, if you know who Common is, just imagine. That's kind of the complete opposite that he That's about. what I'm like. I'm sure Common has stories where he's rapping about being from Chicago yeah. and there's guns or whatever. And he's kind of political. So he, he's a guy that might be an advocate for somebody who was wrongly convicted of shooting a cop mm-hmm. or what he believes, who, who, who he believes was wrongly convicted mm-hmm. of shooting a cop or whatever. But to single Common out is the most. Ins- These are the kind of things that people, I mean, Fox News will go. This guy, I mean, this is what we were afraid of. This guy's delegitimizing the office of the presidency by inviting people like this to the White House. It's a, it's ridiculous. There was an incident where he had a brown suit on, and they were like, oh, this is so unbecoming. A president, you can't wear a brown suit. What is this? Uh, a party? or Like, just things that were insane. Mm. This man has been sued by a porn star, has been accused of cheating on his wife with a porn star, is wrapped up, his name is wrapped up in allegations of sex trafficking of, of young girls. And he's just, he's just gross. Uh, the, the grab, grab the pussy thing. He is bulletproof. Isn't like, he's Teflon Don. They can't charge him or something while he's president? Is I don't know if that's true. Again, going back to last week, it's, like, it's so many things where I was like, <laughs> is that true? I don't even know don't if that's know a either. true thing. I hope not. That sounds kind of <laughs> dictatorish, but that's insane. Maybe that is true. It's just a crazy world, man. It's pretty wild that he's, like whoever's president next, I will be going off. Like, if, God forbid. I tell you what. What I'm almost interested to see in the fall of America, the next president. If there's ever a single president, oh, I would. He should go off. He should go bananas. Orgies in the White House. He or she, whatever. I'm not. You know, mm-hmm. sex shaming women. Woman president, man president. Go off. Fuck in every room. Different people. Different races. Have parties, fucking dogs and peacocks and shit on the lawn. Go nuts because this anything that is is uh, scrutinized from this point on is laughable. The next president can do if he's anything short of a murderer. Everybody has to shut up. Imagine the next president, you know, uh, his shoes untied and he stumbles or something like that. Everybody shut up. Everybody has to shut up because we sat here and watched. A man getting get in Twitter wars with porn stars and call athletes sons of bitches <clears throat> and threaten to shoot people and get away with it. There's no there's gonna be nothing that you can say about whoever's next. <clears throat> and I have a <clears throat> Give me some water, man. I'm getting over it's not a it's, I, sick. I, I'm getting over a chest thing. Oh, man. Okay. It's been lasting for a long time. I don't know. I might be dying. <clears throat> That's not funny, man. <laughs> anyway, let's get. I apologize again. <laughs> it's been a crazy couple of weeks. So much madness has been going yeah. on. That's like mm-hmm. you can't. It all. It all leads to the top. It's like you can't not talk about. How can you talk about the El Paso shooting and the Dayton shooting and not talk about this dude making a uh, a campaign video of him giving thumbs up in the hospital? Like, oh man, we're nailing this. Like, every, everybody's great at a time where. People died, man. Even if you're a person that works at the hospital and you like Donald Trump, maybe don't take a, da- a thumbs up photo. I'm legit scared if he doesn't become president. <clears throat> oh, it's going to be nuts, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm fully scared of that. Um, I know we live in Maryland, which is like uh, the Mason-Dixon line is a thing I'm not super familiar with. I think we're above it. I think below the Mason-Dixon line is south. south. I thought we was considered being south. 
I don't think so. I mean, oh, we weren't okay. a part of the Confederacy. Okay. I mean, we have Southern tendencies, and that's the point yeah. I'm making. Like, mm-hmm. we see a lot of Confederate flags and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And Maryland is a has rural parts. Mm-hmm. Even though we live in Baltimore, which is more of a city, mm-hmm. Maryland does have its rural parts. Yeah. And I am, I do, I do genuinely have concerns about that. I think that it he could usher in a civil war. And I don't think that I'm being drastic saying that. I don't think you're being drastic saying that you have concerns. I genuinely have concerns that if this guy loses, he's going to come on TV and say, this was a fix. The yeah. government cheated. And I, and I was cheated out of the presidency. And all these people in these crazy videos that we've seen who have been hoarding guns and stockpiling guns... They got. They might have something for us, man. I I really believe that. And if I'm if if I'm a snowflake and I'm being overreactive, and that's what people might be listening to this thinking, t- let's let's talk and let's talk in a year. Let's just see if it's just if he wins, then we we will shut up. But if he loses, things gonna be some problems, man. I, I I genuinely believe that. So I I don't disagree with you at all in that in that point. So it's scary, man. It's the scary times, you know. Wow. So yeah. So and when does your kid do? Um, December, December ninth. Yeah, December. So they'll be a year old. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay in the house that night. Stay in the house yeah. on the first birthday. Have the first birthday at, <laughs> at, at home. I stay in my yeah. little bubble. It's fine. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. <clears throat> Crazy times. Anyway, let's get out of that. Let's get into these good vibes. Try to lift the spirits back up, man. <laughs> I, I'm sorry about that, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit you with some good vibes and change things around. Yes, that's right, folks. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes. Let's breathe in, breathe out. Let's get those negative vibes out, and let's talk about some positive shit. Fran, you got something for me? So my Good vibe story this week is about a six-legged puppy. Since this adorable eight-week-old puppy was born with six legs, wow. there was a strong chance that her breeders were going to have her euthanized. Is there a picture? Like, How does that work? Is it is it three on each side, or it's, is it two uh, in the back? It's, two, it's four in the front. Oh, oh wow! Are they like side. are they like legs that don't work? They're just kind of hanging. I think so. There? Yeah. They're oh, like, okay. They're like shorter than her main legs. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yep. okay. Are they on each side though? Like two, but it's they're on, like it's on outside. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yep. Wow, okay, wow. Um, yeah. Now that she has been rescued by a loving family, however, the energetic pup is now bringing joy to a boy who was bullied for his skin condition. Since the Labrador mix puppy was born with two extra front legs that hinder her gait. Uh, she hops around on her back legs like a kangaroo. Oh. That's why her name. That's why her new owner, fifteen-year-old Luke Salmon, named her Rue. Rue? Yeah. Oh, like kangaroo. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> I would have named her Doctor J. Why? Because he was a sixer. <laughs> All right. <bro. laughs> I get it, but nah. No. I think Rue is better. Okay. <laughs> you know, teaches on this. You know, comedy subversive. You know, it's a lot of different. You know, somebody heard that and thought it was dope. Okay. And you aren't one of those people, and nope, that's fine. And that's fine. Uh, when she jumps, up, when she jumps up on us, she's like a kangaroo. Hence the name, Luke's mother, um, Lauren Salmon. But when she walks, she sort of staggers on her elbows with her bum in the air like an army crawl. Oh wow! Salmon, who is from Orpington, Kent, bought rule from breeders in Essex two weeks ago after Luke spotted the special pup online. When Luke and his mom, I guess they're from like fucking mom, England or yeah. something. <laughs> mom went to collect Rue. She came bounding out of her puppy pen, jumped up at the pair on her hen- on her hind legs. Wow. 
It was love at first sight for Luke and Rue from then from then on, Aww. says Salmon. Luke is like a protective father. They never leave each other's side, and she sleeps in his bed. Since Luke suffers from psoriasis, a condition which leaves his skin covered in flaky red patches, mm, yeah, he has one. been often been bullied for his, his disorder at school. Kids are cruel, man. Kids are mad cruel. <laughs> and you don't get an escape, man. You go home no. and I hear a lot of arguments. I feel like I don't know where I used to be on the side of this argument about the whole cyberbullying thing. It's easy for me as a 27-year-old man to say, well, you know, just don't get on it or whatever. But these kids literally... That's how they communicate with each other. Yeah. Through, it's not text so much or phone calls. It, it's Instagram DMs and uh, Snapchat DMs. And, and that's just how they communicate communicate with each other. Yeah. So it's hard to tell a 13-year-old kid, just don't get on the internet if people are, are receiving you badly on there. It's, it's but he's kind been of bullied like in a, school, though. But I'm sure he doesn't oh. just get bullied at school. Oh, My man. point is, is, you know, when you when I was in... I was awesome in middle school. But if if I wasn't and people were bullying me in school, mm-hmm. when I get on the bus and I get home, I gotta, I'm got away from it. Mm-hmm. I, there's an escape. Yeah. This, you go home and you get on Xbox or, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and you get on there and you put a picture of yourself with your dog mm. or with your mom. And somebody, oh, look, your skin's weird or whatever. It, there's no escape from it. The school bullying, yes, is terrible. But not having any escape... That's psychologically damaging, man. And that's why these kids are going through so much, man. It's, it's inundated. They don't, it's all, it's constant. Mm-hmm. Everything. It's just too much. It's over, they're being over uh, stimulated. Yeah. Um, but having Rue as his new canine companion has brought a whole new new realm of therapies to Luke's life. Luke feels like the odd one out because of his condition. Now that he's got a best friend to match, says Salmon, I think Rue will reduce Luke's stress and that should help his skin condition. That's awesome. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool. Outside of that, the first thing they need to do is get this dog an Instagram. And, you know. He probably does. Mm. I'll I, I tell you what. He better. Or she, Rue. I don't know if she's a girl or a boy. They better get that. Girl. They better get that dog an Instagram because I'll tell you like this. What they did was a beautiful thing, adopting that dog. But in 2019, in today's time, you, we saw it with Grumpy Cat. We saw it with... Uh, there was another cat. There was a cat named Bubs who didn't have a lower jaw. Hmm. Adorable. Grumpy Cat made that family millionaires. Hmm. And all they did was adopt a cat that they thought looked funny. That's all it was. It was out of the kindness of their heart. Saw an adorable cat. Got the cat. Put some pictures up of the cat. Somebody goes, man, that cat looks grumpy. Bing. Oh, let's start a Grumpy Cat Instagram. Hmm. Grumpy Cat has movies, merchandise. Unfortunately, Grumpy Cat died last year or oh, so. Really? Yeah, maybe like a year or two ago. It was just old. Yeah, I mean, I think the cat was like 17 years old or something like that. Um, But the point is, there's monetization in adorable stories like this today. Mm -hmm. People want to see what's going on with Rue. People want to see videos of Rue doing the kangaroo hop or what the thing is that they do. And why not spread the positivity and spread, hey guys, go out and adopt a pet that isn't traditionally a pet that needs a home. Mm -hmm. And if spreading that message makes you money, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. There's nothing evil about that, I don't think. You know? So I, 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 I recommend to anybody, try to make some money yeah. in 2019. You know? If you're going to talk about your dog anyway and do stuff like this, get on some panels, put the dog in a movie, whatever. Try to see who pe- people want to see Rue. Go get your coin, man. 
That's me. That's the that's the my uh just money brain working because mm-hmm. I want everybody to get a Lambo. Yeah. That's what I want. I want. I want everybody to drive Lambos. Mm-hmm. You know, and social. Social, uh, social, the social media aspect of the world is currency today. It's not all about. You don't have to just get a job as a banker or or invent something or know a, a person to put you in a position to make a lot of money. You can make a lot of money by just people being entertained by you. You know what's really depressing? If you go on your phone at the end of every week and see your screen time, mm-hmm. it'll depress the shit out of you. Yeah, mine is it's it's ridiculously high. But in that time, I see so many of you, oh, look, that dog, it doesn't have a leg. Or, oh, my God, look, that bird, it, it, you know, it's a wingless bird. But mm. it, the, she, but they found a happy home. Mm. Or, look, this kid tap dances on soda cans. I spend, there's such a portion of my time looking at my screen just seeing content. Mm-hmm. So content is valuable. Yeah. Put it out there. Put pictures and videos of Rue up. Make some money, man. Buy your dog, all them, you know, get them a, you know, they make those dog care packages on Amazon. You can get, like, a box of treats sent to your house every month for different treats. Yeah. yeah. Get that dog some care packages and have them get why should your dog sit home all day and not work if they can? That dog can work just being cute and being who it is. And that's Alvin's tip. And there's yeah. like a little bing sound. Gotcha. For positivity. Mm-hmm. So my good vibe story this week is about the badass legend, Danny Trejo, mm-hmm. who you said you are not familiar with, but I tell you if I show you a picture of him. You fucking know who Danny Trejo is, man. He's in everything. He's the Mexican guy in everything. Whenever you've seen a is movie... That the big, is that the like mean guy with yeah. the ponytail? Yeah. Oh, okay, I know. Yeah, everybody knows who Danny know, Trejo I is. His, I don't remember I understand names, that, but you know who Danny Trejo yeah, is. Know who everybody is. knows who Danny Trejo yeah. is. Anyway, so iconic Hollywood actor Danny Trejo has just proven, this was a couple days ago, uh, that he is more capable of doing his own real-life stunts after he witnessed a car crash earlier this week. Trejo, who is best known for his roles in Heat, Con Air, which he played uh, like a rapist in that movie. It was nuts. He's crazy. He didn't rape anybody, but his storyline was that he tried to rape somebody. I don't, I don't, I don't. Con Air. It's, okay. it's not a good movie. It's an insane movie. It's it's one of those. It's, it's a fun watch. Mm-hmm. And Breaking Bad, one of the best televisions ever. He was on Breaking Bad. And Desperado, which I don't remember seeing. But uh, so he was at a he was driving through Los Angeles when he watched a woman accidentally speed through a red light and collide Mm. with another car. That's a terrible mistake. I mean, I don't know how you accidentally do that. She wasn't paying attention or something. He's in rush. Yeah, I mean that's you don't just blow through red lights accidentally. You know, that's crazy. The seventy-five year old actor, Jesus Christ, he looks great for seventy-five. I did not know he was seventy-five years old. That is wow. (laughs) That is nuts. Cause Danny Trejo could fuck me up right now. Yeah. And did I not, did you not read this before? No, I oh, okay. I, re- I saw a video of this. Oh, part. I mean, you were shocked. Yeah, I didn't know he was seventy five <laughs> years old. I didn't catch that part. That's crazy. His hair's still black. He yeah. might die, but he also is like has a big chest. Yeah, he's like just a like he just as a, looks like a badass dude. Is he like a is he Hispanic or he's like a Native American or something? I think he's Mexican. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he's I'm pretty sure he's Mexican. Which all you know, all Mexicans have some dro- some uh, uh, tracing back to Native American because mm-hmm. you know Mexico's part of the yeah North America and you know mm-hmm. the Mayans Mayans were Mexican. Um, so seven, the seventy five year old actor immediately jumped out of his own vehicle and rushed to the family trapped inside the overturned vehicle. Trejo and another bystander then pulled the door open and managed to free a youngster from the from his seatbelt. Uh, and uh, 
Also, on upon approaching the vehicle, Treo says that the woman was calling for bystanders to help her young special needs son. So the boy he pulled out was special needs. Mm. And yeah, he was still trapped in his car seat. So him and another guy jumped in, got the boy out. Uh, as firefighters and first responders rushed to the scene to, the, to rescue the mother and grandmother who were still strapped inside the car, Trejo brought the boy away from the scene of the crash and kept him distracted until his family members were freed. I think I I think it, the idea of Danny Trejo distracting a young kid is hilarious because he has this really burly like cholo voice like, "Hey, young man, like, what's going on? Like, how you doing? Do you do you uh do you watch you know uh what's that show? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you watch uh Paw Patrol? Like, what's your favorite Paw Patrol show? Mm-hmm. This guy has like this." grizzled face I almost think I'd be scared of Danny Trejo even if you just saved me from a car be like uh did you do this like why is my car flipped over Uh, but again he's showing his softer side I still can't believe this dude's 75 years old this dude is legit he's not Danny Trejo is not like the dude from Candyman you know that black dude who plays Candyman Hmm. you never seen Candyman yeah, I've seen it, but I don't well, know. He, well, people who are listening. Fran doesn't know anything. Nope. Uh, Final Destination, he was in Final Destination. That black dude is, t- is terrifying to me. He's like a boogeyman. If I see him, he has this weird voice. He's terrifying to me. Danny Trejo, to me, is like, oh, shit. Uh, there's like some biker gang shit going on. He's not mm-hmm. He's not scary like, oh, God. He's mm-hmm. like scary like, hey, man, I don't want any problems. You have a nice day. You yeah. don't fuck with him. It's a different scary. But if I'm five and I saw Danny Trejo's po- ponytail... You know, you see a little bit of his chest hat. Mm-hmm. Be like, whoa, man, you're intense. So the idea of him uh, soothing a child is hilarious to me. So uh, Danny Trejo said he was panicked. I said, okay, we have to use our superpowers. So he screamed, he screamed superpowers. And we started yelling, superpowers. <laughs> this, is how he, this is, he's so badass. Is he doesn't like even. Is this like in the middle of an intersection? Yeah, man. Who's going to tell Danny Trejo no? <laughs> Nobody's going to tell him to keep it down. He could have been from somebody's front lawn. I think like he's so badass that this is he doesn't even know how to sue the child. He doesn't even know what Paw Patrol is. If all this is going well, on. the first responders are taking. They, I think they all made oh, it out okay. with you know minor. Okay, you know, that's what I mean. Th- nobody died. I oh, don't okay. think. But I think this is hilarious that this is how he tries to sue the kid because I don't know shit about kids, man. I'm yeah. a badass. Superpowers, right? There's super. So you like superheroes? You're a mm-hmm. kid, so let's just scream superpowers. It's pretty generic. So they're screaming superpowers, and uh, he said, "I said." I said, do this with the muscles. He said, muscles. We kind of bonded. So he just was just saying, muscles, superpowers, right, kid? And the kid's like, all right. Yeah, it sounds super awkward, (laughs) but he that's all he knew how to do. After you jump out of your car and run to a scene of an accident and rip a door off a car, Mm -hmm. that's that's the extent of Danny Trejo. He's not here to be fucking the dude from Blue's Clues. Yeah. He doesn't know how to help children. Other than physically. Mm. You need me to pull out my butterfly knife and cut the seatbelt off the kid and then I run to the other side of the street while the car blows up? That's your guy. Babysitting? That's not Danny Trejo's job. I wouldn't call Danny Trejo to babysit. I mean, I, is he really that guy or he's that guy because that's what he does in the movie? Let me tell you like this. I'm not going to question him to his face. Why? So that tells movies? me all I need to know. Huh? Cause, oh, because his face. Okay. No, I'm not going to question him. Like, I'm not going to go, hey, man, are you really this badass or is this just you pretending to be badass? I would. To his face? You're a fucking liar. Have you seen Danny Trejo? Uh, yeah, just his, Let me I tell you like this. Win. He is the real deal. And I could be wrong. He's given me no signs in 75 years of him walking on this planet for me to think he's not that guy. Why is that? Because look at him. What do you mean? What do you need? What so proof do you go- need to, for, to know that a guy is that guy? Yeah. Right. Do you think Debo couldn't fuck somebody up from Friday? Why Why are you saying that? Because he got in the fight in the movie? Because he's a giant bald black man 
with a voice like a monster. All right, man. You think he's not? You think he? You think he just looks like that and isn't a big giant, a strong man? I don't know. Well, you have a high standards for what you. Who do you think is badass? Um, The Rock. That's a stupid. That's a stupid thing to say. If if I question anybody about if they're really badass, it's The Rock. He fake fought for twenty years of his life. He's pretty and he's just big. The Rock doesn't have any scars. I think he's badass though. Why? Because he looks like it. He looks more like it than Danny Trejo? Yeah. I'm going to finish my story. And I'm finished my story. It said, <laughs> it said, thankfully, the Los Angeles Fire Department said that no one suffered any life-threatening injuries from the collision, although Trejo is now being hailed as a hero for his quick intervention. That's the end of my story. That's awesome. Yeah, Danny Trejo is a badass and an American hero. A Mexican-American hero. He's 75 years old. The fact that you're even comparing him to The Rock makes him even more badass. Jealous? Of who? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either one of them, so I, I'm not jealous. You see me. I mean, are you like a, a Danny Trejo stan or something? Because, I mean, like, you defending him. I didn't think I'd have to defend him. I just told a story about him saving children from things. You're like, right. but is he really like that? I was just, no, because I'm saying you were like, he's a badass because the way he's looked and his movies. Uh-huh. But, I mean, how do you know that, that he's like that? What are you sure, basing though? The Rock being badass on? The same fucking thing? All right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna take you guys out to a song I've been obsessed with for the last couple of days. I don't know why it popped in my head and I started listening to it again, and now I can't stop listening to it. This is Frank Ocean's cover of Moon River. Um, grab somebody that you love and maybe dance over a lake. It, it's that kind of song. We float over a lake with clouds underneath you and just, 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 just be in, be within one another. And when we come, or dance with yourself. You know, self love is also important. Let me not discriminate. Dance with yourself and just enjoy these vibes. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some more things. Make up my heart. Break up wherever you're going. I'm going that way. Two drifters off to see the world. Such a crazy world to see We're all chasing after us All right, and we are back. Fran, it is your turn to go first this week, so I'm going to sit back and prepare to enjoy the show. All right, so my... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. <sighs> okay. Oh, yeah, go, please. Oh, okay. Oh, he threw me off, man. Jeez. <laughs> All right, so my affirmative murder this week is about the mystery of room 1046. Ooh. Now, in this story, this is different. I took a page out of your book last week. Ominous. So this... This story, um, it's a bit long, okay, but um, it's one of those stories where you go, okay, th- they explain to you what happened, but it's and they and they go, yeah, they go, oh. you know, we think this happened, but I want you uh-huh. and like also the listeners to you know, do you know, mess, I mean, you could put a post on Facebook to yeah. what you think happened, your thoughts, um, yeah, your thoughts on what happened in the story. Oh, I like this. Yeah, gotta make sure I get and t- listen intently. So this is the bizarre murder of Roland T. Owen. Um, in the Kansas City Hotel. Ooh. 
Something strange happened to Roland T. Owen in room 1046, but this mystery is unsolved to this day. Mm. The act of murder by a barbaric by a barbaric one, some obvious cases of murder going to become infamous in the annals of criminal history. Whether the police solved them or not, one soft death took place in the first week of January 1935. A tall man with a facial scar and a cauliflower ear entered the hotel president in Kansas City, Missouri and asked for a single room several floors up for one night. Mm. Just like any other usual hotel guest, he paid a fee and signed the, reg- and signed the register under the name Roland T. Owen. Mm. Even though the man brought no luggage with him, bellboy Randolph Props uh, accompanied him to room 1046. I mean, you gotta see the picture of this dude. This dude looks like a damn vampire. I'll show you the picture later. They say he was tall with cauliflower ears? Yeah. Wow. White and black? White guy? He's a white guy, yeah. Mm. So on the way, Owen opened up open, open up to props. This is the, the bellboy. Yeah, like on the way up to the room? Yeah. Mm. About his original plans. Owen revealed that he preferred another hotel, oh. the, the Molbeck, but he thought that the cost of the room was too high there. Once the pair reached the room, Owen removed several items from his pocket. Oh. A comb a toothbrush, and a brush. No tip. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I was that bill, I'd be like, yeah, okay, comb. Yeah, uh-huh. Right. Anything uh, else? All right, you guys, thanks for bringing my bags. I've had I a mean, nice night. Use all this money to pay the damn hotel room. If he looked like a vampire, I wouldn't I wouldn't push him on <laughs> it. I wouldn't be like, have my hand out like, <clears throat> right. tip, please. I'd be like, okay, sir, you have a good night. I'm going to get out of here <laughs> Yeah. before you drink me. So he put all of them into the bathroom, and then both men left the room. After Owen took the key from the bellboy, he left the hotel. Later on that day, a maid went to clean the room 1046. Mm. Owen had returned to the room, and he allowed the maid inside to clean. He did insist that... While the, he was in there? Yeah. Yep. That's weird. He did insist that the door remain unlocked, as he was expecting a visitor. The maid did as Owen instructed, but she did notice a few things. He had drawn the curtains in a single lamp provided all the illumination in the room. Mm. It was enough for her to notice that Owen seemed nervous and anxious. Ooh, maybe he is a vampire. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, before she managed to finish the room, Owen left but remained, reminded her once again to leave the door unlocked. Oh, okay. Yep, leave the door unlocked when she left. I would have been like, I'm not staying in here for some person that you have I haven't met to just show up and I'm just in here. Well, I'm saying she's telling him to telling her He's telling her to leave the door unlocked when you leave. Right. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't imagine being in that situation, and I would be thinking to myself, well, what if whoever he's expecting, this dude's a vampire, obviously, so what? If, who who knows who his friends are? Yeah. And if he comes in here while I'm in here. Lock, locking the door when he leaving, I'm unlocking it when I leave. Yeah, 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 exa- that's exactly I'm sure what that's what she did. <laughs> <laughs> so about 4 p.m., the maid returned to the room with a clutch of fresh towels. Owen had returned to the room during her absence and was lying, I'm sorry, was laying on the bed fully clothed. Nothing else about the room was different, but there was a note on the table that someone had hand wrote, handwritten. It read, Dawn, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> this is like a fucking, uh, this is like a Quentin Tarantino movie. This is <laughs> twists and turns and little yeah. notes. And, yeah. Okay. What happened? Don. Now, this guy's name is what again? This dude's name is Roland T. T. Owen. Roland T. Owen. Roland 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 T. Roland Roland T. Owen. And who? So Don. Okay, Don. Don. Yep. Don. So remember, he left. But he's the maid. The maid was there. 
She leave came the door, back. Leave the door unlocked when you leave. She came back with towels. Yeah. He's there on the bed now. Yeah. He's there on the bed. And there's a message. But there's for, a note there that says Don. Yeah. Man. But he's there. Know. He's there. Okay. Yeah, man, it's good crazy. It's, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. super. I'm, it's like <laughs> X Files now. Yeah. Okay. So what happened between then and 10:30? Good question. The following morning is uncertain. Once again, the maid came to clean the room. I mean, she's she pops up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would have I mean, said, um, can I get a new floor? I'm going to do a different floor. I switch yeah. shifts with somebody. It may not be a lot of people there. I don't know, but she comes up a lot. Yeah. She had to be getting the heebie-jeebies at this point, you know, coming in this dude's room. He's on the bed. I've never had my room cleaned at a hotel, and I'm there. You put the thing on the door? Yeah. Or you don't put the thing on the door. When, and then when you leave, yeah. yeah, when you knock, you say, no, not right no, now. Right. And then when you leave... If you want the room clean, don't put the thing on the door. Yeah. And then you come back, your room's spotless or whatever. I've never had my room clean. I'm just on the bed, like, yeah. watching diners, drive-ins, and dives. He don't care. If I'm her and I'm the maid, if I feel like something's going on, I, now I'm nosy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> did nosy. your friend come? You don't need towels. I'm coming back later to see if you need some <laughs> towels. Uh, so once again, the maid came to clean the room. Someone had locked the door from the outside. But Owen was inside the room. He was sitting in a chair and not talking. All he seemed to be doing was was staring into the darkness. Come on, man. When she came in? Yeah. So the door was... I didn't even know hotels could do that. So the door was locked from the outside. From the outside. But he was in there. He was inside. Chilling. Now, I would imagine... You can't... You don't work at the hotel, so you can't prove this. Right. But if you say it was locked from the outside, then that means he can't get out of the room. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody, uh, all right, I'm just keep on reading, man. Just That's reading. strange. Yep. So he's locked in the room. He's locked in the room. And just sitting in sitting the darkness. in the dark, yep. Wow. Yep. So the phone rang. Owen answered it. Whoever was on the other end. Is, wait, is this all from the point of view of the maid? I would guess so. Like she's in there doing whatever he's bring. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's terrifying. Yeah. So the phone rang and Owen answered it. Whoever was on the other end other end had spoken first Owen replied after a moment no Don I don't want to eat I'm not hungry I just had breakfast oh no (laughs) (laughs) this is terrifying (laughs) want me to keep on going no I don't I'm pretty scared but please you know that's what we do here so you gotta keep going so Owen hung up and turned to the maid and mentioned the mole back um, mentioned the mole back to her as well, which is the other hotel. Oh, the, yeah. yep. He also asked about the president and what she was supposed to do there. The president? Oh, the, I don't know if the president the hotel. Suite. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, the hotel president. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Um, so the she maid, asked about the president? Yeah. <laughs> the maid could not get out of the room quickly enough. I'm sure. She was terrified now. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen... Anytime you see some, uh, somebody answer the phone and they don't speak first... Mm. You're like, oh, they were expecting this phone call. Who doesn't Who doesn't pick up the phone? You, you pick up the phone, you go, hello? You pick up the phone? No, Don, I already ate. I don't want food. Don't, yeah. And you don't say goodbye either? <laughs> no, this is a monster. Yeah. Uh, so later on that day, she brought fresh towels back to the room. This lady insists on bringing these fresh towels. I'll tell you what. She be, she I respect her for doing her job. Yeah. So before she could enter the room, a pair of male voices could be heard. Mm. From her position outside the room... She explained why she was there. Don. A new voice, not Owen's, bluntly told her towels were not needed. Mm. The maid simply left them alone. Uh-huh. Smart. Yep. It was Don. 
So sometime after this exchange, a new guest registered with the hotel, Miss Jean Owen. Okay. Ooh. Was not related to Rollin T. Owen. Oh. Okay. But was giving the room next to his. What is this? Is starting to feel like uh, <laughs> I'm playing the game Clue or something, you know? So she, her name is Jean Owen. Yep. No relation to Rollin Owen. Nope. Okay. But they were roomed next to each other. Yep. Okay. Several times during the night, Miss Owen was disturbed by sounds of an argument. Mm. One voice was male, the other female. Oh, wow. She then heard sounds of a scuffle and gasping noise. She assumed it to be to be someone snoring. The nocturnal elevator operator, <laughs> Charles Blotcher, also reported after hours reported after hours activity. According to Blotcher, there was a party taking place in room 1055 and a familiar woman trying to find room 1026. Blotcher saw the same woman several times during that night. The last time she was in the company of a man at 4 a.m., she finally left the hotel. The man she was seen with left about 15 minutes after her. Neither was ever um, identified. Oh, okay. Yep. So this lady was next door, heard an argument, and then thought they just fell asleep and were snoring real loud? Yeah. I guess. Yep. I tell you what. The sleazier the hotel you go to, all kinds the of weird shit. shit you're yeah. going to hear some weird shit. Yeah. And you're there for the night. Yep. So... Mind your business, I guess. Yep. So Robert Lane also reported a strange event that happened to him while driving down the street around 11 p.m. So all kinds of people was getting involved. Yeah. <laughs> all in the same kind of 30-minute, hour yeah. kind of time yep. frame. Wow. All kinds of people. This is a movie. Uh, yeah, so Ron, I'm going to read that part again. Robert Lane also reported a strange event that happened um, to him while driving down the street around 11 p.m. The day Owen registered, just the same day. Mm, when he man, went to the president instead of the whatever. The yeah. Other okay. A man dressed only in his underwear flagged, flagged down Lane's car, thinking it was a taxi. Where is this? Do you know what, like, what? This, this is, is Kansas City. Kansas City. Is Kansas City on my no-fly list? <laughs> this is So it just got flagged down by a dude in an underwear. Yeah. Just thought he was a cab. Yep, he thought he was a cab. And he's in his underwear. Yeah. Even if he was a cab. If I was a cab, I'm not pulling over. Mm. So Lane explained that he was just a city worker, but did agree to take the man to the place where he could go to get it to get a taxi. Oh, I guess he's just a good Samaritan because yeah. I would have assu- I would have done that. I would have taken him where he needed to go if he would have paid me. Yeah. But he's in his underwear, so I have to assume you don't have any money. Yeah. Where does he keep his money? Under his sack? <laughs> no, thank Maybe. you. I don't want your sack money. <laughs> Lane did notice a wound on the man's arm and mentioned it. Um, yeah, a wound on the man's arm. Yeah, okay. That's nosy, man. You don't yep. you don't ask questions like that when it's a dude behind you in your car. Yeah. Because he's got the advantage. Yep. The passenger just nodded and swore revenge against someone tomorrow. No, I would have pulled over. Yeah. Immediately. Hey, what's that? Uh, are you all right? Susan will die tomorrow. Like, all right, yeah, okay. Well, you can get out here and you have a nice <laughs> night, sir. <laughs> Whoever this man was, he was less than complimentary and used several ex- expletives to underline his point. Oh, now he's mad. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's this would have been a short ride. Yep. I would have pulled over, told him to get out, and let him know, like, um, sir, the cab place is go um, about five blocks that way. Make a left. Can't miss it. <laughs> um, so at 7 a.m., the room in the room. I'm sorry. At 7 a.m., the phone in room 1046 was off the hook. 
The telephone operator at the hotel first noticed it. Three hours later, it was still off the hook. Props, again, who was the bellboy, was sent back to the room to replace it. When he arrived, Props found the door was locked and a do not disturb sign was hanging on the handle. Oh, no. Props knocked and was invited in. The door was... Wait, what? So they were they were in there? Yeah. And he was, and he was invited in. The door was still locked. Props knocked on the door once more, but was told to turn on the lights. From outside of the door? Prop. Or they unlocked it, or? I guess he was saying, come in and turn the lights. I don't know, but it says, Props knocked on the door once more, but was told to turn on the lights. Props knocked another couple of times, but was still unable to get in. It's like, man, I, I'm, I can't get in. I'm not in the room. <laughs> I can't get in. You got to let me in. Turn the lights on. Grab me a drink out of the mini bar. <laughs> uh, sir, I'm on the other side of the door. The door is locked. Yeah. Why are you asking me to do things? <laughs> I can't do them. Yep. So, yeah, he knocked a couple times, but was still unable to get in the room. His patience had worn thin. Yeah. And he, he belowed um, at the occupant to replace the receiver on the phone. Um, so him being like, I, you know, I can't get in. Yeah. He goes back, he, yeah, he goes back down to, well, he lets them know, Hey, put the phone back on the hook. And he goes back down to his office. An hour and a half later, the operator noticed that the phone was still off the hook. Andy, Andy bellboy, um, Harold Pike. I'm sorry. What? Another bellboy, Harold Pike. (laughs) He was born to do that job. His name's Andy bellboy. <laughs> what else can you do with your life? Uh, another oh, no, bellboy, yeah. Harold Pike, was sent sent to investigate. So Prowl Spike was like, "Nah, man, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm going not, back. I'm not going back." <laughs> so Pike took a pass key with him and was forced to use it. Owen was laying on the bed without any clothes on. Oh God! The telephone stand had been nudged, and the phone itself was lying on the floor, like props. Bef- like props before him. Pike regarded Owen as a drunk and sleepy and sleeping off a hangover. I'm sure I would think the same thing. I also would have probably just left back out of the room. I would have told them, like, look, guys, he's in there. Mm-hmm. The phone drunk, is just yeah. off the hook. He's drunk and he's naked. I didn't feel comfortable in there. Yep. So the phone was replaced and Pike left the room. Within an hour, the phone was reportedly off the hook once again. Oh, so now it's starting to sound like a game. Because he went in there, put the phone back on the receiver, mm-hmm. and then they called. Why do they keep calling him? I don't know. But So they call again, and the phone's off the hook again. Yep. It sounds like he wants people to see his booty butt cheeks. Maybe. You come in, the <laughs> cheeks are just on. Oh, oops, the the the, the, the uh, covers aren't on my butt. Sorry. Yeah, but, but he, he just was... lays there and pretends to be asleep. Yeah. That's like reverse. He's like a reverse voyeur. Like he wants people to watch him be naked. Mm-hmm. So Props was sent to the room again. Like before, the sign on the door was on display. Props knocked a few times but got no answer from from within the room. He had no other option but to use his passkey to gain access. Inside, it was immediately evident that Owen wasn't suffering the effects of alcohol. He still had no clothes on but was crouched over crouched over on the floor. Oh. His head was his head was bloody. Oh. And the walls were covered in blood stains. Oh god! Props fled the room and called his manager. Now this was an hour and a half after a dude was just in there. And he just was on the bed. Yeah. So who was in the? Because you remember the phone oh. got back off the hook. Yeah, but but like I'm imagining if it's a hotel, they see people come in and out an hour and a half. Wait, wait maybe it was in the bathroom or something. Oh, this is getting juicy. Don is a magician. Whoever Don is, maybe it was Don. Oh, I don't know. Don was in the bathroom or something. 
Yeah. He was in the vicinity. Because you would see a person, if you are, if now, because I'm imagining at this point, it's becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Whoever the concierge is, the hotel manager, they're all like, we need to get the phone back on the receiver. It's only been an hour and a half of somebody, since somebody went up there. Yeah. I would imagine you know if somebody came in to the hotel in that time and left in that time for you to go up there an hour and a half ago and he's just on the bed naked and now you go up an hour and a half later and there's blood everywhere and he's on the floor? Mm-hmm. That's wild. Ooh, this is juicy. Yeah. It's an ad on the bottom of this that keep popping up. Chris Benoit is throwing me off. Chris Benoit? Yeah. That's a terrible story as well. <laughs> it's throwing <Man>. me off. <laughs> Not really yeah. fit for this podcast, but a terrible story. Right. So Props fled the room, called called his manager, who called the police. The first, the first that Owen told them when they arrived was that he fell against the bathtub. Police officers searched the room for clues. What they didn't find... Wait, so Owen is alive? Yeah. And he said, I fell and hit my head. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, the police officers searched the room for clues. What they didn't find was as strange as the things they did find. Not a single stitch of clothing was found in the entire room. And he's naked. Yep. The standard hotel room requisites, such as shampoo and towels and etc., were all missing. Aside from the blood-soaked walls... Police found evidence that someone else was in the room. Yeah, Don. A label from a tie was discovered. Four fingerprints were found on a lampshade, as well as a couple of discarded items. An an unsmoked cigarette and a hairpin. Mm. Police came to to the conclusion that about six hours before he was discovered, Owen was tortured by a person or persons unknown for the reasons that were unknown. Oh, wow. Owen's injuries were severe and would later prove to be fatal. So he was alive enough to let them know whatever story he said, but then he later died from those injuries? Yep. Wow. The investigation into finding Roland Roland T. Owens' killer didn't start very well. One of the first discoveries that they made was that Roland Owen was actually an alias. Mm. One woman phoned in a tip that Owen lived in Clinton, Missouri. When his corpse was put on public display in an effort to help identify him, Several people came forward and said that they knew him. One of these was Robert Lane, who said that this was the man who mis- mis- mistook him for the taxi. That's that's, that's yeah, the taxi guy, okay. I suppose. Yep. Oh. So multiple bartend- bartenders also stated that Owen was the man they had seen in the company of different women. Mm. Police did make a couple of discoveries that they thought may have provided a breakthrough. A man matching Roland T. Owen's description did indeed spend time at the Malbec, as well as the Kansas City Hotel and St. Regis Hotel. The name used in the Malbec was Eugene Scott, which turned out to be another alias. Oh. Was he like a spy? I don't know. The staff at the Regis said that the, the unidentified man accompanied Owen at their hotel. Don. Yeah. So, um, it's another part. It says, looking for Don. Police concentrated on their efforts to find this dude Don instead. Mm -hmm. Quote, unquote, Don. With just a Christian name, there wasn't much to go on. Don might have been a man visiting Owen, insisted to be, insisted the maid that fresh towels were not necessary. He could have been the guest that left the hotel just after 4 a.m. Or he could have been the man at the Regis. Perhaps... He was a target of Owen's wrath and got his in first. 
Mm. Police never found out if Don was any of those or none of them. Just after a week, just after a week after the strange events of January January second, a new leak came to light. Local wrestling promoter Tony Bernardi said that, that said that Owen resembled a man that turned up the previous December to register for wrestling matches. Oh wow, this dude leads a <laughs> maybe that's why he was wandering the streets in his underwear though that's more of maybe it was like wrestling underwear maybe maybe according to Bernardi Owen used the name Cecil Warner that's not a good wrestling name <laughs> <laughs> that's so like prestigious yeah <laughs> Cecil Warner <laughs> this information did not shed any more light on the deceased without knowing Owen's true name there were little hope of ever finding his killer at best they had a scenario that fit the facts as they knew them. The hairpin found linked the argument overhead by Miss Owen, which which could have linked to a second man telling the maid not to bother with new towels. This would indicate some sort of love triangle leading to the death of Rollin T. Owen. This is all speculation and hearsay though. Yeah. Yep. Preparation of the funeral this this is kinda weird. Preparation of the funeral were not being made until March. Shortly before the funeral was due to take place, an anonymous phone call from a man that never identified himself was answered by the head of the funeral home. The caller asked that the funeral be delayed so the money for the service could be sent over. Okay. Yep. The man, <laughs> the man claimed to be Owen's potential brother-in-law and that Owen was indeed the deceased genuine name. Potential brother-in-law. The caller also mentioned that Owen had gotten the difficulties and the investigators were on the wrong track. And he, this is all from a phone call this to from the funeral call. home. Yep. Why? Well, if I was, I would have <laughs> said, like, this isn't my job. To why are you giving me tips on the murder? I work at a funeral home. Yeah. So a few days later, money for the service arrived with no return address. Oh my. The funeral took place at Memorial Park Cemetery, and the only m- mourners were the investigative officers. Because they don't even know if that's his real name. Wow. Yep. And he said that, however, additional funds were sent to anonymously to a local florist with a card for the ra- for the wreath, Love Forever, Lois. Lois? Yep. Hey, man, that's all kinds of names. I, 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 was, I was all over the place uh, reading this story. So I'm going to continue. With the victim of this bizarre murder entered details might have been buried along with him. For a while, that was what had happened. In 1936, a woman calling herself Eleanor Ogletree read the magazine America Weekly. Reading the account in the magazine, it occurred to her that the image of Roland T. Owen published in the article strongly resembled her missing brother, Artemis. Mm. The last time Artemis was seen was when he left home in in Birmingham, Alabama in April 1934. He said, he said that he wanted to see the country. Who was Artemis Ogletree? Approximately a year after he left, the initial letter of three arrived through the post. Someone had briefly typed each mass, each missive, and that aroused, and this aroused suspicion from Eleanor's mother. They Ruby. type what? Um, type this each missive. So it was a letter. It was a it, it was a brief it was a briefly typed letter that aroused suspicion from Eleanor's mother. Okay. And this is why Ruby as for his Eleanor's mother Ruby, mm-hmm. as far as Ruby was aware, Artemis didn't know how to type. 
Oh, okay. Don. So, maybe. Oh, everything's <laughs> Everything's Don. Yep. Several months after the final letter arrived, which stated that he was sailing to Europe, a man calling himself Jordan phoned the family. Jordan provided an update on Artemis that said his life was saved by the missing son and that he had married a woman in Syro. Oh. When Ruby was shown a photo of Owen, she recognized him as her missing son. At the time, Artemis was only 17 years of age. I mean, this dude could have been... So Jordan in... sent them a letter saying that that Artemis saved him? No, Artemis is the guy. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, it, it said he sent a letter saying that he was saved by their missing son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he found somebody that he loved. And Is that with a C? Ky- Cairo? Like Cairo. C? Cairo. Okay, that's in Egypt. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. So it basically was a letter saying, well, your son's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's, and he's gone. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. And he's traveling the world and... Because he could never see cause him he again, couldn't, yeah, because he couldn't type. So right. That's why I'm, I'm like, you know, what the hell is like? Wow. Was he involved in some type of sex, sex, sex traffic? Rant. It's like that's where my that's where my theories go. Yep. And he was 17 years old. And he's you know clearly doped up or something, walking around the streets in his underwear and staying at weird hotels. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if Roland T. Owens was in reality, reality Artemis Ogletree. Mm-hmm then it raises quite a lot of questions that have no answers. Why did he use so many aliases? Who was Don and Lewis and what role? Mm. If any, did they play in Owen's death? What was Ogletree doing in Kansas? What relationship did Jordan have with him? Was Jordan the man seen at the hotel on the night Owen died? Mm. Who paid for the funeral? (laughs) Perhaps there would never be a solution to the number, but on one but on more than one occasion, police have reopened this old, this odd old cold case. The first time was in 1937, while the last was in 2003. Um, this is just a just a little side story. Mm-hmm. In 1937, detectives noticed a small, a similar death that took place in New York. No links, no links between the crimes or both victims could be established, and the Owen case went cold once more. Renewed interest in the Rollin T. Owens surfaced in 2003 when someone got in touch with Kansas City Public Library librarian John, that was wild, yeah. <laughs> John Horner by phone. The caller didn't identify himself, but did say they phoned from outside Missouri and that someone had recently passed away. While he was scoring the belongings of the recently deceased person, this got a little confused. Did you get that part? So the guy at the library was getting the somebody that died stuff from somewhere? I guess. And then somebody called the to, library. To let him know that somebody died? Yeah. And they said while he, was, while he was scoring the belongings of the recently deceased person, he discovered a box full of old newspaper clippings. Maybe that was like his job or something? <laughs> like he, Or maybe it's, you know, like I think the guy down the street from me died and they had like a, a yard sale, so mm-hmm. all of his stuff was just out on the street. Maybe that, maybe that was. The, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's a that's a, that's a, that's a weird one. I don't yeah. know. So he discovered a box full of old newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. All of these clippings mm-hmm. were about the murder of Roland T. Owen. Mm-hmm. Also in the box was something that the newspaper reports had mentioned. The caller refused to say what this something was. Ever since 1936, a speculation has been rampant as to what exactly took place in room 1046. Yeah, the honest truth is that there is very little 
in the way of evidence to support any of the prevailing theories. That might be intentional. It could well be a professional hit, mm-hmm. but on a possible teenager, it might as well be a love triangle that went wrong. A teenager with secrets. Maybe that was why Owen hit the bathtub. Yeah, thrown against the bathtub yep. or hit in the head and it was staged to look like he hit his head against the bathtub. This all goes back to what? Johnny Gosh. Yeah. Because what so, I think happened was he was a sex trafficking victim. Yeah. You're going to go see the world. How do you end up in Kansas City? Yeah. Hmm? Also, his name was Artemis Ogletree. Mm-hmm. This is what I saw on like Reddit, so I don't know if it's true. I mean, Reddit's pretty consistent. Yeah. So his name was Art- his name was Artemis Ogletree. Went by Artie to his known associates. The initials Rollin T. Owen would be R-T-O as R-D-O. Ooh. That shit was wild. <laughs> Reddit's good for that type of shit. <laughs> that shit was wild. Reddit's good for that keep you up in late at night because there's a bunch of people. Reddit's full of people that just connect the dots all day even yeah. if there's no dots to connect. Yep. Yeah, Reddit's dangerous. Ooh, R-D-O, R-T-O. Yeah. And those are the... That's like how they came up with... Uh, uh, Tom Tom Riddle became Voldemort, some shit like that. I mm. still to this day, it, it, call me stupid. Anybody's listening, but there's a scene in Harry Potter where you find out that Thomas Riddle is Voldemort, mm-hmm. and he takes his little wand and he spells Thomas Riddle, and then he takes the the letters from Voldemort or from Thomas Riddle and spells Voldemort. And I'm like, wait, what? Because maybe his maybe there's a V in his middle name or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. how did you turn Thomas Riddle <laughs> into Voldemort? I I gotta I I don't I don't know mm-hmm. I still don't know I gotta watch it again. Yeah. So that was the the, the murder mystery uh, in room ten forty six. Strange. Yeah, that is strange, man. Cause listen, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, and I didn't get into it because I got I was talking about a whole bunch of stuff. But the the guy Jeffrey Epstein, they found him. He committed suicide in his ho- in his hotel room. I mean, mm-hmm. in, I'm sorry, in his in jail the, cell. Yeah. He was on suicide watch, and this guy was connected to a lot of powerful people and he just commits suicide before his court date yeah. where he could go potentially you know speak on somebody's name or name by somebody or say they were involved in this it's a little convenient they got him out of there i'm not surprised yeah 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 for sure <laughs> and that's and you know the same thing you know we don't know where johnny gosh is yeah to this day you know so there's there's a whole sub world wow man right underneath what's going on right in front of our face. But that Johnny Gosh shit gave me goosebumps. That because sounds that dude, like Johnny Gosh that dude, man. Yeah, but he came back home. That shit was weird. That shit was wild. Yeah, man. And I believe his mom. That shit was wild. I believe his mom. So this sounds like one of... And, and when I... If I connect the dots, if that makes me feel like that's Johnny Gosh shit, that means this shit's been going on since the inception of of, of government and time and and people existing just having people existing in this little seedy world Mm -hmm. that they control almost like a pimp and take from their world and and keep them in check with through drugs or whatever and staying at weird hotels and doing who knows what and then when they get sick of them or they feel like they're going to run away or whatever just get rid of them wow and then there's no questions asked it was a suicide whatever they don't even know what happened to this dude there's no questions asked nobody knows what happened to johnny gosh you know he's just gone this guy Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide just gone this is some I fucking mean, this scandal dude, this, shit man this dude was scandal biz has been trying to tell us since for years when it was on TV this dude was like beat up tortured but was they said he slipped in, in his, his right mind. he was in his right mind he was fine I'm mm-hmm. guessing but whatever he must have had some internal injuries or something yeah Tim was like just they might have just 
put a something. Put a some 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 poison that dissolves after a little bit of time. It's the 1930s. Doesn't take much to poison. You 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 could skate with poison like gangbusters in the 30s. They're not checking blood. You got to do call and see if you're hungry. That was, that shit's weird. <sighs> Look, man, <laughs> that all was weird. I don't know who he was hanging out with. Maybe this is just a case of like a street dude who was, you know, maybe he was a, a, a sex worker and all of those things are coincidences and he really did hit his head on the bathtub and he just died. Maybe like Don's from like the mafia or something. Mm, that's, a, you know, that is a tr- uh, stereotypically uh, <laughs> Italian mob name, I guess. Don, yeah, Vito, any of those kind of names. You might think those kind of things, but... I don't know. It could also, you know, all these aliases. It could be some government shit, man. He might have been a boy toy for, you know, some politicians. I'm really big on that uh, theory between this Jeffrey Epstein shit and Johnny Gosh. I'm like, all those dudes in 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 Washington D.C. They like to people tickling them with feathers with their butt naked and you know putting weird shit up their butts and all this type of stuff. And if they like that kind of stuff, but they have to be these pristine people in public, there has to be an underworld. Where they can get their rocks off. Yeah. With NDAs where people come in and do all that shit. Oh, I like to be beat with uh, Teletubbies. And then you sign something and you never you never speak about it and they just wire you $100,000. That type of shit is happening, bro. There's people in in, in uh, Washington, D.C. right now who are gay as fuck, who are uh, pushing bills that are anti-LGBT. They got to get fucked somewhere. So they go to some weird hotel where the guy at the front desk knows the deal. Everybody's in on it. This hotel's the most private hotel in Washington, D.C. A guy comes in. He knows the deal. He's like a professional gigolo. Goes upstairs. Fucks the du- fucks the fucking congressman, whatever. Gets his 50K wired to him. Signs a non-disclosure agreement. And goes about his business and never discusses it. All these people, dudes in, dudes in Washington, D.C. love smoking weed. That are like weeds the devil's grass. They got to smoke the weed somewhere and not get photographed. There's a whole underbelly, man. Shit is wild. Shit is crazy. <laughs> shit is wild. But I don't know. I'm just speculating. I don't know shit, man. I'm dumb as shit. I'm just. I'm just guessing. I don't even know. You know. I'm just. I'm just saying stupid mm-hmm. shit on the mic. I don't know. Got anything else with your story? Nah. All right. Cool. Again, that whole thing I was just was saying that was just some stupid shit. I was just. Was, yeah. I don't well, know. Yeah, I'm just listening. I don't know shit. I don't even know. I was just was saying some stupid shit. Who know? I don't know shit. Um. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit, so stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, are you ready? Yeah. All right, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit, strap in, and get ready to hear my affirmative murder. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of Chad Choice. The year was 1991. The Ghetto Boys, my mind playing tricks on me, was the soundtrack of Black Youth. Roseanne was dominating primetime television, and people were still recovering from the nightmare that was Buffalo Bill in the smash success Silence of the Lambs that came out earlier that year. And on October 31st, 1991, eight-year-old Chad Choice was snatched from his bed while he was sleeping in his home where he lived with his family. Chad's older sister told police investigators that her house keys had gone missing the day before. And when I heard, when I read that part, I think about, I lost so many house keys from... It's like six to twelve that I don't even know how I'm still alive. If one burglar or a crazy person went, oh, a house key, and it has his initials on the on the key hook. <laughs> oh, cool. Let me just find out who's A W and go to their house and murder them in their sleep. 
And somehow I avoided that many times, and I made it. I mean, I probably lost like key like twice. I never. That's lost it. A bunch of keys oh man, I I couldn't even tell you. It got so bad. My mom bought carabiners, like for people that rock climb, uh, the little hook, metal hook things they snap on your belt loop. Yeah. And I lost those somehow. <laughs> I lost the whole thing. The carabiner, the key. I I probably I remember one year I probably went through four house keys uh, in one school. Maybe it's just semester because you know it's like from August to January. In mm. that time, I probably lost like three keys. Just walking home and I get to the door and I'm like, where's my key? And I just never find it. And my mom goes, oh my God. And just goes get another key made. Nah, and I... we don't change the locks or anything <laughs> like that. It was really stupid. Nah, As an adult, I'm like, man, there's just a, there was just a bunch of keys in the grass 100 yards from my house. And I made it, man. That's wild. Somehow I made it. I don't know how. I lost so many keys, man. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. But I, you know, I was fortunate, I guess. But this sister's saying that she lost her key, and you know, so she thinks she probably was carrying that. Somebody saw like her drop that damn key. Yeah, but I'll get to. I don't think that was the case. I don't think. I think that she lost her key, but I don't think that's what she caused her. She didn't lose her key. No, I think she oh, okay. she lost her key. I mean, I don't think that had anything to do with what happened to her brother. Which I'll you know you'll that'll make more sense as I continue the story. But I just feel bad that she carried that. Right after it happened, she's like, oh, I lost I my key, oh, and then my you. brother okay. is gone yeah, now, you. so it was probably my fault. I don't, it wasn't her fault. I don't think, anyway. So, uh, yeah, so she said her key had gone missing. Um, she recalled leaving, uh, she recalled leaving them by the back door to the residence. Local police interviewed various- So she left them outside the house? She lost them outside the house? Yeah, she, well, okay. she said, well, she's saying, like, that's the last place I remember seeing them oh, okay. was here, but mm-hmm. then she can't find them. So, um, yeah, local police uh, interviewed various individuals, including Patrick Horn. I'm sorry, but imagine, I mean, you being a burglar or whatever, you walk up to a house. And, then and the, keys the keys are just there? there? That's an easy lick. Uh, I, this is probably stupid to say on a hot mic, but there have been several times where, I, you know, you come home with groceries and then you unlock the door and you come in the house. And then I go to, you know, five hours after that, I go to leave and I'm like, where the hell are my keys? At the man? door. And they've been in the door locked yep. for five hours. Somebody could have just took my keys out of the door and just took my car. Yep. My keys are just there for the taking, just out, you know. I got all kind of big shit on my... You, there's noticeable there's something hanging out of the I door. I hate when people do that. Yeah, I, I hate when I do it. It's like, man, you can't... I, <laughs> I, 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 look, man, I don't know. I'm, 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 I have brain lapses, man. I don't know. I don't know why I do that it. That is dangerous. I... I know. <laughs> I know this. That is extremely. You know something else? I'm probably gonna do it again at some point in the near future. Oh I don't. God. I can't tell you why I do it. It just happens. That creeps me out, man. I, get, I need to put a reminder on my phone, like, "Hey, dumbass, get <laughs> where are your keys?" Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get on that. Maybe that'll be how I, I solve that problem. Uh, so yeah. So many. Uh, the local police interviewed various individuals, in, including Patrick Horn, who was a family friend who had been at the family's house on October twelfth. Finding no evidence of forced entry or struggle, officers initially treated the case as a as a at the case treated this as a case of that choice had run away. Two days after Chad's disappearance, a ransom note was found at the business of Chad's uncle, Greg Sterling, and the investigation immediately shifted to a kidnapping case. When the family attempted to deliver the money at a Greyhound bus station, the kidnapper was a no show. Several days later, Chad's mother received an anonymous phone call stating that Chad's disappearance was related to a family member's drug debt Mm. to a man named Paco. 
investigators learned that Greg Sterling owed money to three Colombian drug dealers operating in the area. Wow. Paco, Jr., and Carlos. On the one-year anniversary, on the one-year anniversary of Chad's disappearance, his mother, Karen Choice, finds a note flapping on her car windshield. A year later? A year later. Wow. The note claims that Chad is still alive and demands $6,000 for his safe return. Once again, the investigation heats up and the Choice family hopes and prays they'll see Chad again. The investigation is dealt a blow when the kidnapper fails to make contact and the case again slips into the cold case files. Three years later, on the fourth anniversary of Chad's disappearance, the Choice family finds a skull in a plastic grocery sack on their doorstep. Their worst fears are confirmed when, forensic de- when forensics determines the skull is that of Chad. Damn. Yeah. That's some cartel type shit. And I'm a, it, you would think that, right? And I'm going to get to just how fucked up it is and why you got to watch who you keep around your family. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get to it. Investigators struggle to understand what sort of a person kills and then continues to taunt the victim's family for years. Yeah, that's wild. On May 31st, 1996, Patrick Horn was scheduled to be uh, sentenced in federal court for some credit reunion robberies or some credit union robberies and carjacking charges. On that date, the federal district court told Patrick Horn that he that he was aware that authorities thought he might know something about Chad's disappearance and advised Patrick to consult with his attorney about what he might know and whether he might be able to get immunity and help with the case. Patrick Horn was actually the kidnapper and murderer of Chad, a family friend. On the night he kidnapped Chad, he shot and killed him and buried him in a shallow grave behind behind his house. Wow. It took five years for the murder of Chad to be solved. Now, keep in mind, he killed Chad that exact night, sent them a message saying he wants ransom for the oh, for so the kid. Well, well, no, this is oh. a different guy. This was his uncle, so, so that didn't have anything to do with that. Either. Oh shit! That just okay. was a, that's why he was a suspect. Oh. Patrick Horn was just a family friend who was at the house a couple weeks before uh, Chad disappeared. So Patrick Horn is in jail for an unrelated thing. They they circle in on him and he confesses to the murder, but he says he killed him that night. Now keep in mind, while Chad is missing. They get a note saying, we want ransom money, bring it to this train station. And then a year later, he tried, but he doesn't show up to the train station. And then a year later, he tries to hit the mom up again for six grand, saying your son is still alive. I want $6,000, but he doesn't show up again. He loses, so he's too chicken shit to show up to get the money, but he keeps this family in limbo Mm -hmm. by telling them your son is alive. All I need is money. And then a year later telling them, your son is alive again. I know it's been a year, but he's still alive. I just need six grand. Yeah. So he's he's he thinks he has an idea on how to get money out of this family, but he's too cowardly to show up in fear of getting caught. So he doesn't. He never shows up and gets the ransom money. So I'm trying to figure out, was he around the family before he took uh, Choice was his name. Yeah, he was at the house on October twelfth. Chad Choice disappeared on oh. October thirty first. Okay, and then he just hasn't showed up since then. Has was he? That I don't, I don't know. He, that I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I want to know if he came back around at some point. I would assume like, he was a family friend, so I would assume he might even have you know you know uh, put himself into the investigation before he he did have his own legal charges. At some point, he was in jail for robbing a credit union, oh, okay. and for so I don't know when he went in and all this kind of stuff. But he might have been there consoling the mom and whatever That's and. Funny killed Chad the night he disappeared on October 31st. Mm. So there never was a chance to do a ransom or any... He was dead the night he was taken. And he 
thought he was going to try to get money out of this family, was too scared to ever show up. And then four years later to try to bury the case and like get, you know, just we're, I'm just going to end this. He gave them the skull thinking the family probably think I don't know, probably thinking the family would go, oh, man, well, we got Chad now so we can just end the case. Mm-hmm. You know, he's we found him. He's dead. Let's just forget about it. They, his mother, Karen, who was very a very um, impressive woman, she strong woman said fuck that and you know the case got life breathed back into it and they went harder than ever and they ended up you know uh tying patrick horn to this and they approached him while he was dealing with some other charges and he ended up confessing to the murder so he walked that skull up to this step dropped it off in a a crash a plastic grocery bag with a skull in it that's crazy it's crazy as shit um so he knew he fucked up since he kidnapped that little boy yeah, he needs. Like, I don't know if I'm he too- thought. Yeah, I don't know if he thought he was gonna be able to hold on to the kid to get the ransom. Yeah, but he killed him that same night. Maybe he I realized he, there was nowhere he, he could take that. the kid, yeah. or he it's it's harder to kidnap a kid than you think, probably, especially right out of their house, making noise, they get loose, whatever. And now it's like, I need to catch him, and if I don't catch him, I need to kill him. Yeah. You know, if, if if I catch him, I need to kill him because he's seen my face, yeah. and you know, whatever. So I'm sure that's what he realized that night. And immediately killed him, but he still tried to go through with his plan of hitting the family at Peransom. But he never showed up to the train station. And then a year later, when he asked for six grand, he never showed up to get that money either. So he was too scared to ever pull the trigger on fulfilling the plan. So he killed this kid for nothing, essentially, because he never even got any. He never even attempted to get the money out of it. He never showed up to even get the money. He never touched the money. So this kid died for nothing. So yeah, so it turns out Patrick Holmes the killer. Um, however, that wasn't the end of the torment of the Ch- of Chad's family. After he was convicted and sentenced to death, he refused to sign the waiver to release Chad's remains to his family for a proper burial. Wait, what? Why can't he just take it? I'm gonna tell you. By law, he had to agree to allow the remains to be released, being as they were a part of the evidence in his case. He wanted to continue to have control over the family of eight-year-old Chad. So basically, he had to say, I'm not going to contest. I'm not going to retract my uh, confession. Mm-hmm. Because if he was to retract his confession, they would need the evidence to do a DNA test to prove that his fingerprints on the on the body. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he does do it. I'll get to that. But that's why they could... His his. So basically, let's say... Uh, you had you had a special gun. Mm-hmm. Now let's not use you because I don't want to bring those bodies. Let's say a son had a special gun mm-hmm. that was from his dad. Mm-hmm. Somebody takes that gun from that son, shoots the son, and kills the son. Mm-hmm. And then the dad goes, "Well, I want the gun back. It meant a lot to me. It's a family heirloom or whatever." Mm-hmm. If if the defense says they're going to keep appealing, then the prosecution needs the gun because it has fingerprints on it. Whatever, it's a part of the case. Yeah. And if they say well, we're going to refute the gun being the murder weapon. Mm. Then they need to be able to get the gun. They need to be able to have access to the gun um, to use in the trial. Mm. So you can't give it to somebody. They start you know, wiping it off, clean it off. They use it, put it back up on a hook or whatever. So it has to remain in the evidence locker in case it needs to be taken and analyzed or used to, mm-hmm. in the trial. Now take that example, and it's the remains of a child. And they can't give it to their family to give the kid a proper burial. This was a fight that happened. It took place for 12 years. So who couldn't? The, the, the prosecution? Or the prosecution. The, 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 they didn't because have... Because they needed it, right? Because they needed it in case he would in case he would ever say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't do, do this. It. Okay, gotcha. All right. 
Damn, that's fucked up. Yeah. So, however, after you know all this fighting and back and forth, in February 2003, almost 12 years after the murder of Chad, Patrick Horn finally waived his rights in a courtroom video conference that allowed Chad's remains to be released for burial. So 1991, your but, baby's murdered. But I'm trying to figure out why is why does he have the the option to be like, yeah, they can. I don't I don't get that. Because point. when you appeal, whenever you appeal, so he kept appealing because he got the death penalty. So whenever uh-huh. you appeal, your appeal is based on something. Right. So if you're if ever his appeal was to be like I don't know how many appeals you get, but if ever his appeal was, I didn't kill Chad, then the prosecution would need Chad's remains to test. Or if he even if maybe he said that's not Chad, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't I don't know I don't, I don't have the you know the, the perfect example. Mm-hmm. But if they w- if he ever said something contrary so to what the, he said, so it's really not his choice; it's the prosecutor's choice. No, it's his choice because if he says because the prosecution needs to whenever you but appeal, it, it's a new trial. Okay. So the prosecution needs to be able to fight whatever he says. Right. So if he says, you know what, I didn't kill that kid. Now the prosecution has to come up with a new a new. A story to present to the judge mm. and if that involves that skull which it would if he's saying I didn't do it they need to go get the skull retest it mm. see if his fingerprints are on it whatever need be done they need the evidence for the trial and w- put it like this if he just accepted his conviction of the death penalty it would be done but because he every time he appeals they're going back to trial based uh, on the murder of Chad Choice so that's, that, that's what he ended up doing though was just- he kept appealing no, I'm talking about oh, after, after. He ended up saying, fuck it. He waived okay. his right to appeal and said, you know, I'm not going to contest that I killed Chad. Mm-hmm. So now they can give the evidence to him because now his body remains won't be used in the trial anymore. Mm. So, Dang. but what he did was he kept appealing the death penalty because he was 17. And at the time, I don't know if it's still the case. It might still, you, if you're under the age of 18, you can't be, be given the death penalty. So he did keep appealing, but he didn't appeal on the murder itself. Mm. So they released the evidence to the family and after t- almost 12 years, they were finally able to bury this little boy, his remains, who was murdered for nothing. He didn't even get, he didn't even get a day of having $5,000 and whatever, whatever his goal was, yeah. to do drugs or party or whatever. He never even showed up to get the money. So this kid died for nothing. Mm. Um... So the Smith County District Attorney's Office needed Horn to legally say he would not contest the bones are that of Chad Choice. Basically what I've been saying for the last two minutes. The reason being is that they wanted to protect the integrity of the capital murder case should a new trial ever be ordered. So that's basically that's the professional way of Mm -hmm. why the reason they couldn't give the remains to them. So here's a little bit of information. Like I said, Chad's mother is very impressive. So Chad's mother, Karen, unfortunately passed in 2007 from an unexpected illness at age 56. She overcame drug addiction and the tragic loss of her child and went on to start Chad's house, a shelter that took in women in all types of crises, from homelessness and substance abuse to domestic violence and sexual assault. More than 70 families had stayed at Chad's house through the years to their uh to their lot to get their lives back on track and um there was all kind of if you look it up there's um she has a daughter and i think maybe another child and they had nothing but kind words to say about her the district attorneys had nothing she she always had a smile on her face she really um took this moment of her son being killed and it was like a call to action for her so she was she was alive when they buried her son yes okay in 2003 he was buried in, in 2007 she passed away oh okay but by 2003, 
from that time in 1991, 2003, she had helped all these people, mm-hmm. started all these um, charities and, and stuff in her in her son's name, uh-huh. um, and did all you know. She was became like a pillar in the community, you know. So she used this. She could have, if she was already dealing with drug addiction, she could have took this tragic moment and fell deeper into that mm-hmm. and OD'd or ended up like on the streets doing God knows what. But she took this moment and said, I. I'm not gonna let this defeat me. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure my son's name lives on, mm-hmm. and I have nothing res- but respect. Her name's Karen Choice. Very powerful things that I read about her. She's an amazing woman. Unfortunately, she passed away of an unexpected illness, like I said in 2007. Uh, so, Patrick Horn was 17 years old when he uh, kidnapped and murdered Chad. Under a ruling in the United States Supreme Court, anyone under the age of 18 can't be executed. So he's currently serving two life sentences. When he's finished one, he will have to do another one. That's impossible to do so the family can rest knowing that Chad Choice uh, or the murder of Chad Choice will never walk free. So he wasn't able to be put to death, but he's serving two life sentences and he'll never serve that time. Um, that was the story of Chad Choice, a real sad story. Um, Got to watch who you bring around your kids, man, for many reasons. Mm-hmm. You got to just watch who you let in your house because it, be, it could be you that gets killed. just by, yeah. and, and then everybody's thinking, oh, man. He, you know, this person's on TV grieving you, mourning your mourning your death, and they, and they did it. You know, I just the other day was watching. Um, I can't remember. I wish I could. Sh- matter of fact, I'm gonna look it up because I want to shout it out because it's, it's one of my favorite YouTube channels. Um, but this guy does body language breakdowns of um, his name. His his page is Darren Darren Derek Van Shake D E R E K V A N S C H A I K. And he did one on Chris Watts, the guy that killed his wife and his and his two daughters. Yeah, you mentioned this. Yeah, and I, but I was watching it again because I just I watched that one and the R. Kelly one. He did the R. Kelly interview with Gail, mm-hmm. where he's like, you, you, "I'm trying to watch, I'm trying to see my kids," uh-huh. and he's singing and stuff by accident, and he's just breaking down how this is not real emotion mm-hmm. and all these kind of things, and it's just as hard for me to believe that people are capable of, of that. They know your mother, they know you, whatever, and they can just kill you and come to your funeral and hug mm-hmm. your mom. And and just do that with a straight face. People really exist like that. That's terrifying to me, because I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I remember one time I was a kid, and me and my cousin, who was a terrible influence on me, um, went into this kid's house. We were hanging at his house. They let it, it was like his it was like his birthday or something, or maybe he had one of those parties where they had that sprinkler that you hook up to the hose, and you guys just jump jump over it jump and through, just, yeah. yeah you got a bathing suit on for some reason it's not a pool you just mm-hmm. jumping in sprinkler yeah and he was outside and we stole a gang of his pokemon cards mm. and i couldn't look that kid in the face anytime i went over back over to my cousin's house i just could I, it was like i felt so much guilt mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. imagine killing somebody's child and going to them at the funeral oh my god i'm sorry for your loss i was one of my closest friends like this is terrible and being really believable People exist like that, man. That's, that's fucking terrifying. Right. I can't. I hope Patrick Horn didn't do that. That like show up during the missing part and being mm-hmm. like, "Oh, we're gonna find him." Yeah, knowing that you're, they're not knowing they're not gonna find him. That's fucked up. That's terrifying, man. I, I, and you, what's what's more terrifying is I said on this. I said on this podcast a few times. You walk past people every day and you don't know what if you could just had a superpower where you touch them and just see what their day is like and what you don't know anything. So you don't know what friends you have what co-workers you have yeah. who are 100% sociopaths. Don't have any emotion. Don't 
really feel anything for anybody. But you come up to him, oh my God, the El Paso shooting was so tragic. I know, it was so sad. And they don't give a shit. Nope. About, and, and take, put tragedy fill in blank. They don't, it's fake. It's fake emotion. They don't give, they don't give a shit. And you'll never know. It's a fucked up, crazy place, man. That's why I stick with the same people. I don't know what I got me. <laughs> but what if I'm crazy? You don't know. We don't know. People only show you what they want to, want you to see, man. I'm not though. Don't be concerned. Not after. You know not I mean? after. I don't think it should. Somebody do it that long and you don't notice nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. If you were crazy, I wouldn't be here. I'd have known. <laughs> You'd have found out a long time ago. This dude, this is nuts, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair point, man. Um, as far as um riddles i don't got one for you man i don't have one for you this week i'm catching you when you least expect it yeah I, i'm just continuing to build up the suspense <laughs> that's all it is i'm gonna catch you when you least expect it so right, man. just just be on your toes gotcha um like a ballerina uh as far as suggestions this week um, i've been listening to the new rick ross album it's you know it's, it's rick it's a rick ross album that's the best thing i can say about it it's it's consistent you know he's rick ross it's not anything too new for rick ross um i still haven't gotten a chance to see once upon a time in hollywood i want to get around to doing that so i i've heard i've heard good things so i'll suggest it just off of that and fran you know new music podcast oh uh, no but i wanted i wanted to ask you if have you seen the um it's a couple shows i've seen on i haven't seen it on hulu it pops up but mm-hmm. i haven't i have it saved i just haven't had a chance to watch it okay uh I think a lot of people know about the Menendez murders. Yeah. yeah. There's a show about it's it? It's a show about it, yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm familiar with the Menendez boys, um, but I haven't seen the show. And it's another one called The Murder of Lacey Peterson. I haven't, but it's another one. Is that a documentary or a show? I think it might be a sh- might be a docu Okay, I'm familiar with The Murder of Lacey Peterson. That's really sad. Like Her husband was convicted for that, but they don't think he did it. I'm not 100% sure I haven't gotten details, around to watching it yet. I got it are- saved, but I haven't. I mean, those are to- those are two very good stories. So. I know about the Menendez. I heard about those. Yeah, they yeah. killed the parents. Yeah, um, those are two very good stories. So I mean, I I don't know about the shows, but mm-hmm. I would suggest anything that's about those two things. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the OJ story played out fifty different times. I can watch something about the Menendez <laughs> brothers. They just keep you know documentary show movie. Yeah. So I can watch another thing about the Menendez brothers. Um, the Boys on Amazon Prime. I think you'd like that show a lot, friend. So I'll leave it with that. Do you have Amazon Prime? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime, there's this show called The Boys. It's like a superhero Boys. show, but it's fucking rated R and graphic and nuts and cursing and explosions and bodies blowing up. It's, That's it's what I like. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like Kick Ass. Like. Remember Kick Ass? I actually watched it like the other week. Yeah, it's like Kick Ass on steroids. <laughs> Dude, it's kind of weird because I had it, <laughs> I had it watching it. And that stuff you can't watch when you have kids. Yeah. So and that's I, a hard one because like they have on colorful they got costumes. Costumes. And, yeah, and, yeah. So she's like, it's like you can't watch this. Watch <laughs> your videos, but she's like looking at it. And it's yeah. Like, she ran out the room and go kick ass. Oh. Like, <laughs> can't watch. I can't. Kids, can't, <laughs> can't. It's hilarious, but it's like I can't. I can't watch that anymore. That was funny. Yeah, don't watch that kind of stuff myself. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 